you just see that volunteer yellow or orange or whatever you want to call it. It's just you make you want to throw up. Sober or not, you want to throw up. Uh, that was that Alabama guy video where it's like, I hate Tennessee, man. They low down, they dirty, they some snitches. Uh, yeah, I just feel that way about Tennessee. In general. <laughs> These are the tales of college basketball past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off court moments, memories of personal fandom, catastrophe, and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the College Basketball Stories. I'm Connor Caldwell from the Beers and Buckets podcast. And I am Michael Beard, and I do bracketology for OSM Bracketology. And we're going to tell you the story of the 2013-2014 Kentucky Wildcats. Let's get it. Going into the season was like, just win, just get to the tournament at this point, from what I remember at least. Um, The year before was a struggle they lost in the first round to robert morris and uh everyone was kind of just looking past that season at my you know like my personal circle was like uh, i think cal was just so caught up in you know winning the title that he just didn't you he, he didn't hit on a lot of recruits and i just think that's bullcrap because he's a recruiter and you never stop recruiting so i just think he missed on a couple of recruits and that happens as a coach so but going into this is just like make the make the tournament, and then at that point, you know, like when the season started, it's like, oh, we're gonna win the national championship. At least that's what I remember. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, man. So like, as a Kentucky as a Kentucky fan, this is like year four or year four, year five uh, under Calipari, and you know we're used to we're used to getting recruits left and right, and and so like. This this coming year, after that NIT season that was full of bullshit, but um, we we get you know six top ten recruits out of the uh, out of the the next recruiting class, and so you know we're we're we have high hopes. You know we we were let down in the past season. We we lost to Robert Morris in the first round of the NIT tournament, and so you know this this next season we. We've got all these things going. We have six top ten guys and Julius Randle and James Young and the Harrison twins and um, Alex Poitras and Dakari Johnson and, you know, two outside of the, the top ten guys and Marcus Lee and Willie Colley-Stein. But, um, you know, we, we, we have high hopes. You know, we're, we're used to this one-and-done thing, and they, they normally work under Calipari at least he's he's the magician he makes things happen and um he's the one guy in college basketball that makes these one and done guys work so you know we're, we're excited we're we're thrilled we're ex- we're enthusiastic about what's about to take place um you know Maryland's Noel going down really really hurt us in the past season um we put it put that behind us you know he's still 
we're happy for him. He still gets picked in the top 10 in the NBA draft, but, you know, we're really excited about what's about to happen. And, um, you know, Calipari's got his magic going. And we're, we're, we're super, super excited about the future of Kentucky basketball. Just for us yeah. outsiders, can you guys describe Big Blue Nation in like a sentence or two? Um, yeah, it's what does that mean to you? Unrealistic expectations and one fan base. <laughs> that that's what Big Blue Nation <laughs> means to me. It's like title or bust. Uh, yeah, Big Blue Nation is um, the best college basketball fan base in all of college basketball, but also at the same time, the most toxic fan base of all of college basketball, without a doubt, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, so like, for example, you get, you get all these recruits coming in, that expectation is you're winning the national championship. And if that doesn't happen, there's a red dot on your forehead ready to happen. So yeah yeah god forbid an 18 year old struggles in his first season um (laughs) you have to transfer out and then you get trashed for the rest of your career in college so um it it is it is frustrating as a as an actual kentucky fan to you know like to have these unrealistic expectations that some people put on them but yeah You, you come to kentucky we have this prestigious um we have this prestigious history uh, we're blue blood. You can you come to Kentucky. We're expecting wins. If that doesn't happen, then um, like like you said, in in modern day, especially Twitter or Instagram, anything like that, you're you're gonna expect that you you are going to expect a DM from somebody after each and every game if you play bad, and yeah. that is that is not a good thing. That that's not a good thing. But the it it just it kind of explains the pressure and the um just the toxicity of the fan base and how much it means to them um based upon the prestigious history that they have been able to follow and have been able to be excited about and Calipari you know he he injects this um this energy within the program especially you know, in Big Blue Madness, whenever he gives these speeches, he gives these speeches about how Kentucky is the gold standard in college basketball. Yeah. So if we if we are the the gold standard, these players need to represent that gold standard. If they don't represent that gold standard, you're going to get bashed. You're going to get booed in the stadium, and you're going to get absolutely you know, just curb stomped by everyone. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's not fair to the younger guys, especially because of the style of Calipari. He, you know, he, he likes these younger guys. He, he likes talent over experience. Yeah. You know, um, you know, this year excluded, um, you know, talent always exceeds experience. And so, you know, up till this year, we've we've always been known for these one and none guys. And so, um, you know, if these guys, you know, they they don't perform up to par, it's gonna it's it's not gonna look good for them. Yeah, it's it's 
the expectations are high when you come to Kentucky, and um, if you don't meet them immediately, it is met by uh, criticism, a lot of criticism, including the 2013-2014 team. Uh, that was a rough year, uh, especially, you know, middle of the SEC season. That was that was tough. A, a little bit of a background on Calipari and why he goes um, – not necessarily why he goes after these one-and-done recruits, but – you know, why he pushes these winter recruits out. Um, so back in uh, in his early Memphis days, you know, he he had this guy named Dewan Wagner. And I'm sure, you know, all of your listeners, they're, they're um, familiar with the name Dewan Wagner. And Dewan Wagner had this outstanding year at Memphis. Um, you know, he's one of these, these top – projected recruit uh rate recruits and nba play, future nba players and so dewan wagner was wanting to come back for a, a second year of college basketball calipari was not having that he was not having that because to. he he didn't need to he was he not was having so that he was he was phenomenal and so you know he pushed him you know he was you know i I can't remember where he was drafted. I think he was in the top three. And so um, he, he ends up being drafted in the top three. His rookie year of his NBA season, he gets a career-ending injury. And if that had not happened, Dewan Wagner would not have ended up making as much money and changing his life as much as he did. And so yeah, he was drafted sixth to the Cavaliers. Yeah, in 2002. Drafted sixth in 2002. Perfect. We don't fact check, exactly. Connor. Every, <laughs> everything that's said here is fact. <laughs> I said top five, six works. But uh, Calipari would not have been able to live with himself if, you know, for example, he came back for another year in college, had a career ending injury, and did it change his family's life with that money from the NBA. And so, like, if, if a player is eligible to – not even eligible, but is recruited heavily by NBA, the NBA teams and, you know, they're guaranteed for at least first-round pick, he pushes them out. And that doesn't set well with um, Kentucky – with Kentucky basketball fans, a.k.a. BBN. And, you know, they're like, you know, if they need to come back, tell them to come back. We're going to have an even better year. You should be more about Kentucky basketball's future and their record in the next year than you should be about those players. No, that's not it with Calipari. He wants – he he's more about that player. He wants that player to make as much money as he possibly can. And he, he, he promises these parents whenever they're – he's recruiting them that he's going to take care of their child. And that's one of the ways that he takes care of their child in pushing them into the NBA. Cal's always been player first and it's frustrating as a fan of the university, but you get to know and love these players and that it turns into that. You, you don't care what happened. Like, obviously what I like to have seen another season of Anthony Davis at Kentucky, like 1000%, but did Anthony Davis need to play another season at Kentucky? Like no freaking way. Like that dude was <laughs> as dominant as they come. 
And, uh, you know, like it, that's just the, that's just the nature of college basketball in the early uh, 2010s, you know, um, in that era that they didn't need to, you know, stay for, you know, two, three seasons, like one and done was okay. And Cal was treated as a animal and as a monster and he ruined the game of college basketball for the greater part of that decade, but everyone else followed suit. So did he actually ruin it? No, no way. This team was the most hyped like recruiting class since the fab five. And uh, it was going to be and pretty much like four of the five players were going to be, um, you know, like freshmen, which was unreal to think about. But um, so it kind of changed college basketball for sure. You had Julius Randle from Texas. Uh, that commitment alone was insane. Like he reached for the Kansas hat and then kind of like psych, you know, like I'm going to pull out the Kentucky hat, you know, or he pulled out the Kentucky phone case. I remember that. That was nuts. Um, you know, like that was, that was insane. I remember sitting at the Chili's watching the Aaron and Andrew Harrison commitment and like being so hyped and just like tweeting out the twins pick Kentucky. Like, you know, like it was everything about this team was just absolutely 100% hyped up. And, uh, you know, like I, after the season we just had, you know, against, you know, losing the first round and, uh, to Robert Morris and the NIT, like I was just looking for any sort of hope that I had. Uh, to just rub it in everyone's faces, especially all the Florida fans around me, uh, just rub it in their faces um, that Kentucky was going to be at the top next year. So going to that preseason, they looked good. Like, I don't even remember the preseason games, to be honest with you. Um, I just remember that first game against Michigan State and being very, very disappointed that we lost. I don't know about you, Mike, but I was just like, Oh man, this is gonna be a long season again. <laughs> you know, after that first Michigan you, State loss. You don't remember playing Transylvania or Montevideo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I, I think at that point, I don't like, know if I said that right. I think at that point, like the streaming was very, very new. Uh, I mean, it's 2013, so streaming wasn't like the most popular thing, obviously. And I was living in Georgia at the time. I just moved for college. So I was living for in Georgia at the time. So I like I was just keeping up on my phone. And even then, like ESPN app was very garbage and still is garbage to the point where like you couldn't follow the games live. So like I didn't even think I had access to watch those games at that point. Just keeping up on Twitter, what was going on. But I remember watching the Michigan State game and being like, This is gonna be a long freaking season, bro. Like this is not clearly not like we're nowhere near as good as we were hyped up to be and just being like ultimately disappointed in that in that first game at least that's not that's what i took away from it so the michigan state uh game was the number one game circled um you know we were playing playing against them you know early early november 12th uh 2013 in the champions classic um we have we have big expectations. We have the number one class coming in, and um, you know we've you know all of BBN is expecting that we're going to win um, very convincingly, and we end up losing by four. Um, we had we had an NIT season before, um, and we you know we lose and it. It is what it is. We end up two and one, but you know, just with with all the pessimism within within BBN, you just have to understand BBN 
you know, you, you've heard us before. If we lose a game, we're the worst team in college basketball, um, even if it's by four. But we lost. And so, you know, we, we lose that game. And, you know, everybody within the state of Kentucky, even exceeding Kentucky, if you're a Kentucky basketball fan, you know, we're going to have a long season just because we lost, even if it's by four. And so, um, you know, all these players are getting slammed. Um, you know, the Harrison twins aren't getting it done. Um, James Young has a lot to grow from. Julius Randle is the only player that we have. Um, Alex Poitras is very underwhelming in his second season. We've, we've just got a lot to learn from. And so, you know, we, we go into this next four-game stretch against Robert Morris, um, Texas Arlington, Cleveland State, Eastern Michigan. And, you know, these, these fans have these un- very underwhelming expectations. We go 4-0 in these next four games very convincingly other than Cleveland State, who actually has a future NBA player in Norris Cole, who ended up playing for the Miami Heat. But we won that game as well. Uh, you're expected to win every game. We go four and zero these next games. We've got a we've got a tough slate coming up against Providence, Baylor, Boise State, North Carolina teams like that. And uh, maybe it's kind of iffy, iffy. Um, just considering, you know, we we lost the the last competitive team we lost to was Michigan State, and then you know the season before we go to the NIT. So we don't really know what to expect but we're really on our seat to see what's going to happen. Yeah. So Mike, you said before that uh, Michigan state was the game that was, you know, circled on everyone's calendar going into the season. What I thought you were going to say was that that game that was circled on everyone's calendar was, was the Robert Morris revenge (laughs) game. (laughs) No, everyone knew that that was a fluke. Uh, Everyone knew that Robert Morris wasn't anything in that we're without our best player, but, you know, there even now, like this year, Kentucky played Robert Morris, and it was like I hate this school so much because of all the crap that I took <laughs> uh, for losing to them. <laughs> you know, so it was definitely a revenge game, but def not not what you know, like it wasn't a revenge game by any means to the players because none of the players that lost to Robert Morris, other than Willie Cauley Stein, Alex Poitras, like were actually lost to Robert Morris. You know what I mean? So. Didn't mean anything to them. Sure. It's just another nobody team, the cupcake team that was scheduled to uh, tune up, you know, against the big big dogs. So, I personally think Robert Morris was on the schedule for a reason. I don't think that there's like we when have we ever played Robert Morris before? I think that there's a reason that they were on the <laughs> schedule that next year, and we ended up beating their ass by thirty eight points. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know, can... man. Robert, like, like they make the schedules like a couple of years in advance. So, I don't know if they were on on a reason. Like, the only reason I could think is that Cal wanted to play Robert Morris because he grew up, you know, what two miles, yeah. three miles from the from the school. Like, that's where he learned how to play basketball. Was that gym? So, that's probably the reason why. But it was just added, like you know, like a little bit of uh, you know, get back, you know, against them. So. That's probably the yeah. reason why, though. Yeah, but we, we, we're we going to go with the, the version of 
it was a payback game, bro. We 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 beat them. We beat their ass by thirty eight points. Yeah, yeah. There's exactly. a reason. Suck there's it, a reason Morris. why they was on the. There's a reason why they was on the schedule the next season within the first four games to show them who was the premier program. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, yeah. if we're being honest, Travis Morris is more of a rival than Louisville is at this point. <laughs> Louisville could suck it. This wasn't a gentleman's twenty-five point win. This was a. As you said, thirty-eight point beat down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was a uh, starters starters stay in through the the last twenty seconds game and make sure we uh, give them the beat down of their lives. I'm sure all of BBM was hoping we was going to win by forty, but it ended up being thirty-eight because he stuck in Jared Polson and. Um, EJ Florida. I'll tell you yeah, well, I mean, you know, all all of the the walk ons and the and the guys that get no PT. Headband but... Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Malone. Yeah. But yeah, you know, um outside of that, you know, uh Robert Morris, you know, they they got their ass kicking and it it was on to the next slate of the schedule to yeah, those um, four games were like a montage of just like this is fun, you know, like this is what we expected. Now do it against somebody bigger, right? And we Absolutely. got there with uh, Providence a little bit. Providence has always put up a fight, um, especially in the tournament. So, you know, doing it against a Big East school, especially in 2013 when the Big East was at a little bit more clout than, uh, you know, than it does now. That was that was fun. Like I remember that game um and Barclays, you know, like that was that was really a good time. It was on the first, you know, like so it was uh we're getting into December, getting into the big boy basketball, and uh that was a good time. But dude, that Baylor game, I remember that specifically that Friday, like oh my god, like I remember waiting, like whose freaking bright idea was it to have a double header of a women's basketball game and the men's basketball game? In the same night, like that game didn't start until like almost ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night. It was miserable. It was awful, and Kentucky played like absolute garbage. Like it was just all around miserable. Yeah, it, it was absolute garbage. They had those um, those neon green uniforms. Oh, that early, like the 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 Adidas <laughs> neon green before they went back to Nike. Like just yeah. awful. Like. It, it was hurt your when, eyes to look at. Yeah, it was back when you know Adidas was trying those uh, those uniforms with the sleeves on them, and they gave yeah. them, they gave them to Louisville too. And yeah, ba- Baylor had them as well. They had uh, Quincy Miller. You know all those guys. You know they were good basketball players. They were really good basketball players. At, at, actually, go Google Quincy Miller. Google me. Yeah, Quincy Miller. And, like, he was a baller. He was an absolute was. baller. I, I mean, Baylor was no, him. like, they weren't no walkover team. They were ranked 20th at the time. They were they were a solid team. Um, It's just the final score of that game was 67-62. Like, that's ugly basketball. I don't care how good you are. There, no game of 40 minutes should go 67-62. Like, that's gross. Absolutely gross. That game was miserable. I remember watching that. I was, uh, I just like turned 18 a couple months ago. So I was, um, going to my first hookah bar and like with my friends and watching it on at the hookah bar. And I was just like, I don't want to be here. Like I'm miserable. Like I don't like hookah and I don't like, I don't like this game. I just want to go home and sulk. And it was absolutely hundred percent miserable. 
and uh like that was just a gross because it was like way late like we had gone out to eat and then went to the hookah bar and i was just like what am i doing here like i need to be home watching this game and uh venting my frustration at this and uh it was miserable that was that was just a bad decision all around i think the women's game went into like overtime or it went late like it went past like way past the start time that the game was supposed to start so i was just already miserable in general and you know i'm just not a smoker so hookah is just put me in a bad mood and then you have kentucky sucking it up and yeah i was just even more of a bad mood around that time any consolation at all that the women won yeah yeah that was that was cool but like uh at the time they were not a good women's team at all so i wasn't i wasn't tuning in for them no offense (laughs) yeah so like the, the next game circled is the North Carolina game. You yeah, know, Boise we, State, we, we moved on. We were ready to, like, just get that revenge W and move on. But yeah. North Carolina has always been and always will be, you know, you circle it on the schedule. So, yeah. Yeah, plus it was at North Carolina. These guys love playing the away game. They're, they're all freshmen. So, the the pressure really isn't on for these freshmen. They, they don't give a crap about away games. They like being booed. But – this is part of their DNA. That this is what they, this is what they did in high school. So like they're they're always they're always chanted at, overrated. They're always you know, underestimated of of their capability. So you know this North Carolina game coming up. Uh, North Carolina's ranked 18. Um, it's another opportunity for us to get another quality win. Um, we, we have a really competitive game all the way toward the end, and we end up losing by five. And, you know, BBN is in a complete meltdown. They're, um, you know, we're eight and three at this time, and, you know, we've already lost three of the first 11 games. And, you know, it, according to us, it, it, it's already another NIT-bound season. And so we we've got a lot of making up to do. But – you know, in, in the upcoming schedule, well, there's no shortage of uh, games that we can make up from, um, kind of. But the the SEC is kind of down that year. Yeah. Uh, we, we've got Louisville coming up, who's ranked. Louisville is always a big game, no matter how bad they are. Too. Louisville's Louisville's always a big game, no matter if they suck or if they're you know top ten in the nation, and so. It's absolutely uh, and, a shame that we didn't get to play him this year, but yeah, it, it is a huge game, and uh, Western Kentucky put up a better fight than Louisville would have, but neither here nor for there. Sure. <laughs> for sure, Louisville's ranked number six. Um, you know, we're we're going against Russ Smith. We're going get, we're going against Gorgie Jan- Gorgie Dang and um, Kevin Ware, you know, Kevin Ware, all those guys, and you know, we end up beating them, and you know. That's all. That's all it took for Kentucky to uh, get BBM back on their back. Um, we're excited for the season. Um, Julius Randall has an absolute monster of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Harrison twins have a great game. Poitras, you know, he he does his thing, and you know, we're back on the mat. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was fun. That was a fun stretch. Even the game after that was Mississippi State, which is like at this point it's become a thorn in Kentucky's side, but at the time they weren't really anything to uh, bat an eyelash at. 
Vanderbilt is always a thorn in Kentucky sign. So winning at Vanderbilt was a good was a good sign. Uh winning by nine. But uh then they uh-huh. they go into Arkansas. Oh, I remember watching God. this game and just being absolutely pissed off the entire time because it's at Budwalt Bud Walton. They haven't they just looked like they looked against Michigan State. They just look bad. They just look absolutely bad the whole time. They force it into overtime, and I'm like, oh, well, overtime, like Kentucky's got a chance to win this thing, and they absolutely crapped the bed. Um, and even then, they only lost by two, and it was on just a really bad pass. Like, it was an outlet pass, like, on the inbounds that was just, like, no one covered this dude for, like, basically an alley-oop. And I just remember the uh, there was, like, 0.3 seconds on the clock. Cal made a big fit about the whole thing. Uh, that there should be 0.3 seconds on the clock. And, like, at the end of the game, like, with 0.3 seconds, like, Poitras or whoever is impounding the ball just throws it as far as they could, and it hits the top, like, the the screen, and it gets stuck in the top. I remember that, and I was just like, we did all this, but, like, it was, like, five minutes of the refs reviewing the clock and, like, making sure they had the exact amount of time. And it was, like, we did all this just for the ball to get stuck in the, in the clock or whatever. It was just ridiculous. Like I remember being so pissed off cause it was like midnight or maybe like 1230 or 1am. Like, and I was just like, I wanted to go to bed, but I'm not going to miss this game. And it was just an absolute stinker. They lost 87 to 85 in Bud Walton. And, and like that kind of like that was, that's that loss really stuck out to me that one. Um, but then they go on to win against Tennessee, Texas, A&M and Georgia, but you got to remember the SEC at the time was just not good. I mean, the SEC has never been really good at basketball until the last few years. But at the time, those those three wins weren't great. Um, I don't even know if Bruce Pearl was at Tennessee at the time. Do you remember, Mike? Uh, Bruce Pearl was at Tennessee at this time. Uh, I'm pretty sure. And, that was pre-barbecue incident. Yeah, that that was pre barbecue incident. <laughs> you know, the the season rolls down. You know, we we're winning the majority of our games. We we have some uh we have some losses at LSU, and then uh four Lost games to later, Florida. Yeah, four games later we lose to number three Florida at home. At home too. That was that. Yeah, that was the frustrating part. That was a frustrating part. Uh, we lost by ten, but they were number three. It wasn't necessarily a bad loss. No, but you know, BBN is going crazy. You know, we we've got um, let's see, we we lost got, to Arkansas at Rupp Arena. That was that was frustrating too because that also went to overtime. We we got our revenge on LSU that season, but we lost to Arkansas twice that season, which should never happen ever. I remember being especially pissed at that because like it's like okay, we lost to Arkansas overtime at Arkansas. That's that's understandable, but Arkansas was not the Eric Musselman Arkansas where we could, we can lose to them twice in a season and be okay. Like they were not good. They were not a good basketball team. No offense, Arkansas fans, but they were just not a good basketball yeah. team at that point. But that Arkansas game, I'm pretty sure that was the game that uh, Michael Qualls dunked in that missed uh that missed shot for Arkansas and they yep. won at the buzzer beater. Yep. Um that was a horrific game and you know it all it took was, you know, one of our our players to box out. You know, yep. that was that was all that BBN 
pointed out to, but um, that yep. that's the hot shout out Arkansas fans. We made y'all famous. That's why you know that that that's the that's the game that y- that y'all look back to, that y'all look back to, and y'all say, uh, you know, I absolutely love this game. We made a alley. We made a, a putback dunk against yep. Kentucky. Kentucky made y'all famous. Remember that? I was just so mad because I was like, I had to work that next morning. That early that next morning, I was just like, I stayed up for this. Like I stayed up for us to lose on a yeah. putback. Like I'd rather just gone to sleep. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was frustrating. That was, that frustrating. was frustrating. Um, and we lost at South Carolina that year. Uh, beat Alabama, but Alabama wasn't there. And then last game of the regular season, Florida was number one at that point. Kentucky went into that game. I don't know why, but we had a bunch of confidence that we beat Florida, and it was at Florida. Like I know why. I had no reason as to why Kentucky thought they would win, but I remember the fans were just like we got this. Like we're going to upset Florida at Florida. We're going to make ourselves like known again, like here in, uh, in the SEC in the top 25. And, and I remember specifically, I was talking to this girl who went to UF at the time um, and losing to Florida. Like she was just trash talking me the whole time. Uh, Cause she was at like, I don't know if she's at the game or, she, but I know she was on campus and I was like, there's no way Kentucky's going to lose to Florida this year, like at, at Florida. Like, there's no way. And that was the most embarrassment of a game I've ever seen in my life. Like, they managed to cut it to maybe nine, and then, like, Florida just went on a run and never looked back. Like, Scotty Wilbekin was the absolute best player in the SEC that year, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the final was 84-65. Like, they destroyed us. Ah, it was fresh. I was talking to, like I said, I was talking to this girl from Florida and she was just absolutely dogging me the whole time. And I was just like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm pissed off about this game. (laughs) It was, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was, uh, it was actually that game that, um, Andrew Harrison, he was in the, in the post game and he said, that this was going to be a special season, that they're going to remember. It was kind of like one of those uh, Tim Tebow post-game yeah. interviews where, like, um, <laughs> you know, th- this game is going to mold the team. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I promise. <laughs> that team was so good. That Florida team, yeah. like Patrick Young, Scotty Wilbekin, those guys were so freaking good. I'm so happy to see Patrick Young is doing something with sports still, like on the SEC network. But like Scotty Wilbekin, I thought for sure was going to be picked up by like Toronto or like you know like a team that didn't have like a great point guard and uh, just absolutely take over. It's a shame that he never made that that leap to the next level. But I mean, in college, he was an absolute beast you know, of a player. He was. He was. He was great. And so, you know, we get these promises from the the Harrison twins that not just the Harrison twins, but Andrew Harrison particularly that, you know, I promise this is going to mold this team. We're going to turn the season around. And, uh, you know, we go into the SEC tournament. We beat LSU. We, we, we beat Georgia. Then the you know, tweakables. We, we, that's when the tweak happened. Do you remember that? that? That's, 
That's when the tweak happened. Absolutely. That's when the tweak that. happened, man. That I remember reading that article about the tweak, and I was like, "What? What is the tweak?" Like I, I was like investigating, like, "What is this tweak he's talking about?" My parents yeah. were at the SEC tournament that year, and I was just like, "If you hear anything about the tweak, like a text, I'm like, if you hear anything about the tweak, please tell, let me know, because like I want to know what this quote unquote tweak is." Like, is the tweak? Tweak. Okay, for we, the ball. <laughs> we, we, we need we need to go in on the tweet. So so Calipari, um, he has this interview after um, after the loss to uh, Florida in the final game of the season, or one of those games. Anyways, um, he says that he he thinks that he f- has figured out something within this team, and. After he says that, there's a noticeable change within the team. You know, yeah. at, the gameplay is different. The the guys are playing different. Um, the only we we lose the Florida, but they're the they're the number one team at the time. The final season of the the regular season, and then we play them again in the SEC tournament. We lose to them again by one. But you know, don't the, get the me number, started on that loss, bro. Like, yeah. We yeah, lost him by one, and it's because James Young was driving and slipped right. in the in the cha- SEC championship. He there was like seven seconds left. He's driving the ball and slips, and I was like, "Are you are you serious? Like you just slip? Like what's right. going on here?" And there was no foul called. Like obviously there wasn't a foul. He just slipped. But I thought I thought we we're gonna win that game. It's like no team in college basketball wins th- against the same team three games in a row. So like we're due. We were absolutely one hundred percent due in that game, and I was just like, I remember the end of that game just being like dumbfounded. My dad's like, he slipped. He texts me. He was at the game. He's like, he just he just slipped. Like what what's going on here? And like that game made me so mad. That was the worst loss I've I've experienced as a Kentucky fan in a long time. Like I'm more bad mad about that loss than I am about the Wisconsin loss the next year, just because like yeah. the implications that it had. Like Kentucky wins that game. They're probably like a six or maybe five seed at that point, but that you know they end up getting an eight seed in the tournament. Just maybe yeah, they end up they end up getting the eight seed, and um, so I'm working for um, Bluegrass Sailor at the time, and we do this tournament challenge, and you know maybe a little bit of my homerism comes out, but I have Kentucky making the national championship game against Connecticut. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I, have, I have Kentucky making the national championship game against Connecticut, and I have them winning. I have but... I, I had Kentucky <laughs> making the championship against Florida and winning against Florida. Because mm. I think they were on the opposite of the uh, you know, the region at that point. Because you, you beat them three times in the tournament. Or in the season, that's fine. You're not going to beat them four times in the in the season. Like that's not going to happen. No. So I had them against Florida, but Florida kind of crapped the bed at that point. So I I felt like you know it was our year. It was our uh, we we had such a tough year. We 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 had the tweak happen, and Calipari saying he he's figured this team out, and he did. They're they're playing different. They played against Kansas State, whooped their ass. They played against Wichita State. They whoop their ass. They undefeated Wichita State, by the way. Number one seed undefeated Wichita State. Number one seeded 
that was in a crazy game. Like that needs more recognition than just like we whoop their ass. <laughs> they, yeah, that was yeah. an amazing game. <laughs> oh Red man, Red. that was so fun. Seventy-eight, seventy-six. That was like yeah. that. I mean, that was insane. I'm, number I'm two seed. Number two seed. Sorry. I'm watching the game at my friend's house. Uh, Wichita State has Fred VanVleet, Ron Baker, and um, I forget the other name of that dude. He played in the NBA, but. Anyway, Future NBA champion Fred VanVleet, by the way. Yes, right. And so, you know, the next game we're we're playing against Louisville in the in the Sweet Sixteen. I go to um, I go to Lexington, and I try to hit up a Hooters. They're freaking bombarded in yeah. you know Lexington. I couldn't get a seat, so I go to Buffalo Wild Wings. They're freaking smacked. I was like, I had like a two hour wait, and I was like, nah. Bro. So we ended up going to an old Charlie's. We sitting, <laughs> we sitting at an old Charlie's watching the Louisville, ba- the Kentucky Louisville basketball game. And I'm not lying to you, there are 20 other people that had the same mindset that I had, that probably had the same experience that I had. But that place was lit. That's the most place. That is the most I've ever seen old Charlie's lit. In my life, we went to Hooters down here in Florida, and I promise you, there was Kentucky fans down here in Florida that were just out just because it's like, oh, we're playing local, like we're not going to stay at home, and that's what exactly what it was. Seventy four, sixty nine, Kentucky gets that dub. Just in general, that run was absolutely amazing because it's like I didn't like you know like I of course I would have loved for them to do it, but I didn't think that they were going to do it. It was get Pat get past Wichita State in the round of 32. Like, they just, you know, like, Kentucky had shown that they were a roller coaster of a team at that season, and Wichita State had shown that they were just consistently good that whole freaking season. So the fact that we won was just amazing, and then, you know, we had to go up against Louisville again. It's like, yeah, we beat them, but we beat them at Rupp, not on a neutral court, you know, so... Uh, the fact that we beat, you know, the two seed level is like, okay, we are untouchable at this point. And, uh, you know, then we go into Michigan. Yeah. So like we go into Michigan and that game was, it was like a heavyweight fight. Like, it's just like blow for blow, like Tyson, you know, like versus Ali. Like, that's what I feel like that game was going to be like. And it, it turned out to be exactly like that. You know, like my, my desktop screen for the longest time was, uh, Kentucky, you know, Andrew Her- or Aaron Harrison hitting the shot over Karis LeVert on that three pointer to send us, you know, to, to win us the game. That was insane. Yeah, it was insane. You know, Michigan going into the game, they, um, they were a two seed and, you know, they were very heavily favored to win the game. They had Tim Hardaway, they have Karis LeVert, they have Mitch McGarry, all these guys that were projected in the first round of the NBA draft. Um, you know, we like you said, we were we were playing them blow for blow. Um, it was a tight game all the way to the end, and you know, they give the ball to to Andrew Harrison over on the wing, and he he hits that clutch three pointer, and you know, the whole town of Lexington. I'm pretty sure they were burning couches on State Street, but you know, after after that game, you know, we we're ecstatic. We're at eight seed. We're going into the final four. And we're we're about to play Wisconsin. Who the fuck is Wisconsin? But you know, we, you know, we we've got we've got a great setup. Wisconsin's a two seat as well. We just beat two two seat with Michigan. 
what the heck is a uh, two seed Wisconsin? We, we, we have the number one recruiting class. We had the tweet. We have everything figured out. I think that Kentucky, you know, that they, they had all the confidence in the world going, going up against Wisconsin and, you know, Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky and, you know, all, all of those guys. And, you know, Wisconsin's a, a really, a really good team at this point. I think they won the Big 12 this year and you know we we have we have all the momentum in the world. We have we definitely have more talent. Marcus Lee had the game of his life against Michigan. Oh my god, yeah, Marcus he, Lee was like Mark, unstoppable. Lee, yeah. My dad was like you the, forgot about Marcus Lee, didn't you? I was yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he came alive yeah. against Michigan. He was unstoppable, yeah. man. So, Everyone can so, be prepared for Willie Colley signing to Dakari Johnson and uh, Alex Poitras and Marcus Lee is just like, I'm here. You know, I'm, here, I'm ready yeah. to go. Yeah. So, like, Mar- Marcus Lee has this game of his life. If he if he quits playing against Michigan, he's a first-round pick, guaranteed, just because, <laughs> of, just because of the athleticism that he displayed um, and all of that stuff. And, you know, but – you know, barring that, you know, we're we're excited. We're going we're going in against you know Wisconsin Final Four. Um, we're Kentucky basketball. BBN is ecstatic. Um, well, and like going into that game at that point, Kentucky was still an eight seed in the tournament. Seeding kind of like you throw out the window at that point in that tournament. You threw it out the window after Wichita State lost because. Everything was kind of skewed. I mean, Kentucky had beaten Louisville at that point. Um, so they were two seed. Kentucky beat them. Kentucky beat Michigan. Um, and what, what seeding were they in that at that point when they beat Michigan? Uh, they were two seed as well. So it's like Kentucky beat Michigan. Two, or Kentucky beat two, two, two seeds and number one seed. Like, clearly Kentucky wasn't an actual true number eight seed in the tournament. Is that they ran into some unfortunate teams in the SEC? I, I don't know. So you go up against Wisconsin, who was a two seed, but that wasn't the same Wisconsin that Kentucky faced in 2014, 2015. I was never a Bo Ryan believer and uh, kind of believed that he'd need to be gone a long time ago. He just fell into some good recruits. So I was all the confidence in the world in Kentucky beating Wisconsin. So the fact that it came down to an Andrew Har- or Aaron Harrison um, three-pointer to win it was kind of shocking to me. Uh, but, you know, like the the when the announcer was like, this is the point where he always hits it, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is absolutely cash money. And it was 100% gratified in that moment. It was just like, oh, <laughs> I need a new pair of shorts at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was – it was one hundred percent cash money, man. It it was everything that um, Kentucky fans expected. You know, they they pass it to him there on on his spot there on the the left wing, and he makes the shot over um, over Wisconsin player. And you know, we're going into the championship game, and you know, we're ecstatic. And you know, we're like you said, you know, we're eight seed. We're going into the national championship. As an eight seed, and you know we have all the talent in the world, like you said, we we've got the number one recruiting class in America. We have all the talent in the world. We have all these things figured out. 
We're playing against Connecticut. And, you know, they have Shabazz Napier and Jeremy Lamb and, you know, a bunch of who knows yep. what. You know, we we don't really even know who else they have other than those two guys. And we have we have all this talent. You know, we play them blow for blow. And I, yeah, I, remember, I mean, like I, that team outside of Shabazz Napier and Jeremy Lamb, and even Jeremy Lamb at that point wasn't anything to bat an eye about. Like, I was just like, Shabazz Napier is not beating Kentucky. Like, it's just not happening. They don't have the front no. court to handle Julius Randle. They don't have a player that can check um, James Young at that point. And I was just like, we we have the tournament. We have, we, we're going to be a national championship team. And I was like, there's no way they're stopping it. Like, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Louisville were the three best threats to beating Kentucky, and they did, they couldn't do it. You know, no. so, so yeah, going right. to that game, I had all the confidence in the world, and just the whole time, I was just like, even in that game, I was just like, Kentucky's going to lose this game. And it's not anything outside of what Shabazz Napier is doing. And he just went, you know, absolutely AWOL and, like, had the best game of his entire career, college and NBA, like 100, 1000%. And he played for the magic. And I was just like, you can play like this. Like you can, for the magic, I'm a magic fan. So like, he, you couldn't do this, like, you know, against any other team other than like, you had to do against Kentucky. I was pissed off, man. I was so mad. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a game to um, forget. As a Kentucky fan, it was it was just other so close. That, other than the James Young like poster that he took on three yeah. on players, like that was the only highlight that I can remember of that game. It was just like we have a chance, and it comes right here. And then after that, I think they went on like and missed like three straight shots. I was like, we don't have a chance. We're not going to win this game. One hundred percent. Kentucky has a has a brotherhood unlike no other. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky has a brotherhood unlike no other. And, La Familia. Yeah. La Familia, bro. And so, yeah. and so. I remember, like, immediate reaction was, like, I was looking up, like I did against Robert Morris in the year before, like, looking up the next class, like, give me hope here. You know, like, give me give me hope for the next season. I'm looking at Carl Towns, Carl Anthony Towns, who – could was a five that could stretch the floor. Like I look at that percentage in high school from three and I was like, this dude can actually shoot from three and he's proven he can still do that to this day. Um, so I remember looking that up all my friends were bagging me on Twitter. It's like, you guys fumble the bag, whatever. But there were, but I was like, you know what? We have a better class coming in. And, uh, you know, like it was almost like, immediate that the Harrison twins were like, yeah, we're coming back. We have unfinished business. I think it was in that press conference, like immediately after the game where they're like, yeah, we have unfinished business. So um, that was huge. Knowing that we had Tyler Eulis and uh, Devin Booker coming in. No, like the hope for that next season was just so high. So we had a team that had literal championship experience with Marcus Lee, Dakari Johnson, but I needed James Young to stay so bad, <laughs> like like so bad. I I knew he wasn't ready for the NBA. The NBA hadn't evolved into what it is now, where Steph Curry was like. I mean, Steph Curry was still Steph Curry in 2013, 2014, but he wasn't, you know, shooting like four 
four or five hundred threes per like every like seven games or whatever he's shooting now. You know, like so he wasn't shooting to the volume he was now, and that's what I thought James Young could be. Um, so I was like really on pins and needles hoping that James Young would come back and that would just be the the final nail in the coffin for Kentucky to win a championship in the next season was that you had championship experience runner up with uh and Aaron, Andrew, James Young, Trey Lyles, and Carl Anthony Towns. And then you had off the bench Tyler Eulis, Devin Booker, uh give me another name, I can't think of it. Um Alex Poitras, uh yeah. Johnson and Marcus Lee or Marcus Lee and Dakari Johnson off the bench. And like that alone like you add in uh James Young to that team and they absolutely win the title against Wisconsin and Duke, but in 2014-2015. But um, James Young didn't need to go, and I, and I was I was a thousand percent on board in that. Like I just think he needed another year to make himself the best player in the SEC, uh, make himself the best player in college basketball, and he absolutely could have been that in uh, the next year. But you know, like it's not like Kentucky struggled that next year other uh, against Wisconsin. Like they had a good year, obviously, thirty-eight and one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at the at the end of this year, um, you know, it was um it was just the perfect time for Calipari to leave. Um LeBron James had you know, he, he had already played one season at the the Cleveland Cavaliers and you know, it they ended up losing in the in the NBA finals. Was he that year? I thought that was the last year of him at at the Heat. He didn't go there until like 2015, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was uh, so so it was his first year, but they were looking for a coach. It was between John Calipari and David Blatt, and yeah, um, the rumors were there that that Calipari was going to go. Yeah, yeah, if if the Harrison twins had decided to go pro, Calipari was gone. But they decided to come back, and it was because of that. Calipari is still at Kentucky today, and so thank um, you, Andrew you, and Aaron. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Harrison twins, um, for that. But you know, we we get John Cali- John Calipari back. You know, it it was a great it was a great season. You know, it was uh, it was definitely a season that. We'll we'll never forget. It was more than, um, you know, as the season unfolded, it was more than we ever thought we would have, we would have done. We made the national championship game as an eight seed, and you know we're we're ecstatic as as a fan base, and we had a lot more to look forward to in the next season. So, well, the thirteen fourteen team yeah. was. As polarizing as it was, it was one of my favorite seasons as a fan because you it was fun. like there was just that hope like you you squeak into the tournament with an eight seed, which I know like some teams would die to have a fifteen seed, but as an SEC as a Power Five team, an eight seed is pretty low. Like all things considered, especially as someone as historic as Kentucky, so an eight seed is pretty low. The fact that you go on a run where you beat the number one seed, the number two seed, the number two seed, and you know, whatever it is, like you go on this historic run 
was amazing. And then, like, we're an Aaron Harrison shot away from thinking that season is a failure. And I tell Kentucky fans that all the freaking time. Like, they hold John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins' team that lost in the lead eight to West Virginia. They hold that team in such high regard because that's the team that brought Kentucky back into prominence. But the 16-17 team was a better team, hands down, than that team. Like, all around, offensive and defensive rating, they were better. Like, Fox and Monk and Bam, were that, that team was 100% a better team. And they made it just as far as that team. But they were the better team offensively, at least. Defensively, too. But then you have the 13-14 team. They're, they were, like, one missed Aaron Harrison shot away from being an absolute failure of a Calipari team. But they made it to the the national championship, and that's like the team we hold in high regard. So that just shows how wonky college basketball is in general, and that you can't say titles are the end-all, be-all of success in college basketball because a really good team made it to the championship team and championship game and lost, you know, by like what four, five, six, whatever it was that they lost by. And you can't tell me like you know four games out of five five games out of seven, whatever it is, that Aaron and Andrew Harrison team of 13-14 beats you know, Shabazz Napier's team like four times out of five. Like they do. It's not, it, They caught them on the one bad game that they had. That's it. We'll get you guys out of here on this. Let's play a quick word association game. So just first thought that comes to your mind when I say something, we'll, we'll alternate. So I'll start with Mike. Let's and go, baby. I'll go. I'll go with Tubby Smith. Tubby Smith, um, great X's and O's coach. Not a great recruiter. Um, appreciative for what he brought to Kentucky in the um, ten or so years that he was here. Okay, Connor. Tennessee. <laughs> Losing to Bruce Pearl. Uh, we should beat them, but they always have our numbers somehow. Um, Jody Meeks scoring 54 points. I think it was 54 points. And me losing my crap when I was in eighth grade. So, yeah. All right, let's let's shorten it even. So, like three words or less. Mike Arkansas. Malik Monk. <laughs> Suck it, Arkansas fans. <laughs> uh, Connor Alabama. I, I got to go with three words. How do we even get it close in 2018? <laughs> we'll round up on the, the three words there. Yeah. Um, Mike, Michigan State. Michigan State. Watered down. Yep. Overrated. <laughs> Stale. Connor, Stale. <laughs> Connor Patino. Go at X's and O's. Mike, Georgia. Tucked it. Ass water. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, how are we losing them? I don't know. Connor, LSU. Will Wade is a cheater. Fact. Um, <laughs> Mike Calipari. Calipari. Uh, Godfather of recruiting. <laughs> We'll make it off the kick. Connor Rupp Arena. Gray hair. (laughs) (laughs) Can we elaborate on Rupp Arena? (laughs) Sure. Rupp Arena. So I love Rupp Arena. It looks like a cardboard box from outside, and they're they're redoing it, whatever. But my God, like the people who actually care are sitting in the nosebleeds and the ones that are just like, I wish we were, you know, like we were under Rupp, you know, Adolph Rupp. They're the ones that are just sitting there with their arms crossed and they have gray hairs. And like my uncle has tickets in that, in that section. I've gone to the game there and no one's standing and uh good buddy, Matt Sack of the courtside connect. Podcast. Shout out, shout out Matt Sack. Yeah. Matt, shout out Matt Sack BBN on Twitter. He's the only one who stands and people yell around him for standing. <laughs> Makes no sense. Agree. Next. Mike Louisville. Um, need new leadership. Yeah. God, they do. Connor. Connecticut. You should have never hired or fired Kevin Ollie. <laughs> One more. Mike Robert Morris. <laughs> the skid mark on the underpants of society. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out for making John Calipari a coach of basketball. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the college basketball stories. Is it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the CBB Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. I've only done this one other time uh, because I just sensed the hatred for the rival, but. I want one of you to take Louisville and one of you to take Tennessee. And I just want you to say one nice thing about them. Holy shit. You have to take Louisville. I'll take Tennessee. I'll take Tennessee. You have to take Louisville, Mike. There's less there's less good to say about Louisville than there is about Tennessee. Louisville has good strippers. How about that? Oh my god. Katina Powell, we thank you.
Okay. All right. I'll, all right. Go ahead, Connor. Man, I love Rick Barnes. I love, I love Shit. Bruce Pearl. Like they're good coaches. Outside of March, they are yeah. great coaches. But like uh, Rick Barnes could suck it though. Like I mean, like you had KD and you could make it past a round of thirty-two. You absolutely do not be deserve to be called a good coach. Um, Bruce Pearl, if like if Calipari resigned tomorrow and in Kentucky, you know, like Mitch Barnhart was like, you know, let's we're gonna give Bruce Pearl a call. I'm like, I'm on board. Bruce Pearl is a great, absolutely great coach. Um, but as far as Tennessee goes, I mean, they they always had Kentucky's number, so. I appreciate the fact that they show up for big games. Um, Jaden Shackelford, uh, what's his name? Um, no, no, that's the Alabama. Um, Admiral Schofield and uh, Grant Williams. That team was so fun to watch. The fact that can, they, they beat Kentucky in a really good year with P.J. Washington and Tyler Hero and uh, Keldon Johnson, like that was really fun to watch. Um, all around, like Tennessee basketball has had some good players. Um, uh, so you know, like I, I appreciate Tennessee basketball for what it is. They're kind of like the Kentucky football of basketball. You know, like they have some decent players. They have some players that make it pretty far. Like have a good career in the uh, in the NFL as far as like Kentucky basketball had for um, or Kentucky football had in the NFL. Um, they had good players that make it. Um, I was a big Tobias Harris fan as a Orlando Magic fan. I hated when they traded him to the Pistons. I hated that the fact that he's on the Sixers now. So Tennessee basketball, you have my respect. I hate you, but you have my respect, man. So uh, Rick Barnes absolutely sucks in March. We saw that against Oregon State last year. Uh, but as far as Tennessee basketball goes, I mean, they're about to lose to Alabama right now as we speak. But um, – yeah, I, I give my props to Tennessee basketball. I can't can't give any props to the Louisville man. I can't. They just they just suck all around. They just suck. That was way more positive around. than I thought that it, yeah, we were gonna that, get. That, so that was impressive. That was that was entirely more uh positive than they deserve, but <laughs> so do I have to uh speak something positive about their basketball program or do I have to just You just do your best. No requirements. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Louisville basketball. Um, I have nothing positive to say about you. There's literally <laughs> not oh, one positive. There's literally not one thing I can say positive about you <laughs> and your program. Dude, that 2012-2013 team was good, though. Regardless yeah, of these yeah. strippers to get their team together, they, they that was a good team. Kevin Ware, rest in peace. Like not rest in peace, but his his name at least rest in peace. <laughs> that was a good oh freaking team. God. Oh my god! Okay. I still have memories uh, of watching that team. Like you're watching him jump and just totally wreck his knee. Oh my god! Yeah. But they but they didn't win the national championship that year, so I can't say they that. They technically did, and I and I will always view it as they won that that look, year because look, Michigan look sucked that year. Look it up. It's not on the record. Look it up. Um, I don't care. Rick Pitino got the <laughs> tattoo. I'm always a Rick Pitino apologist, even though he wrote, he went to the worst team in NCAA. He also brought Kentucky a title. And uh, I love Rick Pitino. I love yeah, like, Rick Pitino. So current Louisville basketball. 
I have nothing to say, nothing good to say about you. Your yeah, your Chris program Mack is headed. Yeah, your your program is headed into shambles, and for that, I am sorry. Or rather, not sorry, but um, but you know, I, I like Rick Pitino. Y'all had a good thing going for you uh, with him, but then you know the whole scandal thing happened, and then you know that's just really unfortunate. But you have a really good women's basketball program. You had a really good uh, men's baseball program and then you have a really good volleyball program so you know if, if that's what you like and if that's what you know makes your uh if that's what if that's your thing you know i'm happy for you but you know that's all i have good to say about you <laughs> uh well I'm, I'm proud of you guys for that anybody who listen to this podcast go google perry ellis quotation mark google me and then you know, I, I, Perry I'll Ellis. Always... It was Kansas. Did not, he transfer? Not, not Perry. Oh uh, yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, sorry, not Perry Ellis. I was like, go, he, go, Perry go. Ellis was around when James Naismith yeah. was around. If yeah. we're being honest with you, like yeah, that dude has been college basketball, <laughs> faced college basketball for like eighty years, ninety years. <laughs> You're losing to Florida. Like me as a Kentucky fan that lives in Florida. I can never stomach that. Like, I just hate it because Florida fans are insufferable and they're the worst and uh, I can't stand you. So, you know, screw you Florida fans. So, um, and then uh, losing to Michigan <laughs> State, it's like Michigan State, they haven't been like Tom Izzo's most overrated coach since um, Jim Beheim. You know, like, you know, they're both super overrated. Tom, Tom Izzo's super overrated because he had that one championship in 2000 and hasn't done jack since then, but he's getting treated like he's, you know, Dean Smith or uh, John Wooden or any, you know, any of those guys where he like, he hasn't done anything. So UConn basketball in the early 2000s was like early 2010s was really, 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 really good. And it's amazing yeah. that he, you know, like I can't remember the coach's name, Kevin, what, what's the name? Kevin Ollie. Kevin, Kevin Ollie. Yeah. How he got fired. I have no idea. That's insane to me. Like the dude had him. Literally won a title in 2011 and then won another one in 2014. Unreal that he got fired. Like, talk about expectations, right? And then, and since his firing, what have they done? They haven't done anything. You just see that volunteer yellow or orange or whatever you want to call it. It's just you make you want to throw up. Sober or not, you want to throw up. Uh, that was that Alabama guy video where it's like, I hate Tennessee, man. They low down, they dirty, they some snitches. Uh, yeah, I just feel that way about Tennessee. <laughs> um, I I have to say, after all the uh, the Rick Patino, uh, I don't know, positivity or favoritism that you all have, despite <laughs> him going to Louisville. Uh, do you, what happens if Rick Patino say, say Rick Barnes has a couple bad years, Patino takes Iona deep in the tournament a couple years in a row and Rick finds his way to Tennessee. Still, oh still Rick apologists. No, there's no. just no way that, that Tennessee hires Rick Patino back. I mean, at that point he's like in his eighties. So <laughs> There's just no freaking way. Hey, um, hey. there's more. It's more likely hey, that Tennessee I... would hire uh, Penny Hardaway at that point before they hire Rick Pitino. <laughs> hey, and you know, Rick, uh, both Rick would Barnes. be bad hires at that point. 
Rick but Barnes but just say ladies. Tennessee wants to wants to stick it to you, Rick Patino apologists, just to God. just to remove any shed of uh, oh my of, God, you know joy that you have oh in the past. God. I mean, yeah. At that He's... point, Rick Patino can suck it, but I d- I just don't <laughs> think he would go to another Kentucky rival. <laughs> 